0: This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Puts up a three against Vincent and he drills it. Tatum gives the Celtics
1: their largest lead. Tatum shot left wing. It bounces around and drops. The bounce is finally falling the Celtics way. And now they trail three to one with game five on Thursday back in Boston as they win game four. We've played
2: good basketball all season long, exception for this last three or four games. But we got to just keep going. The time might turn. you got to get ready for the next one.
3: Oh, it's all happening. No, it's not. Celtics finally win one in this series. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, Jason Tatum was told that the fourth quarter is, you're allowed to actually score in it. <laughs> uh, let me rephrase that. You're allowed to have a field goal in it because you caught some of the post game last night. I think it was Tim Bontemps who asked him, you know, Jason, you hadn't scored in the fourth quarter, and he said, excuse me, I hadn't had a field goal in the fourth quarter. Yep. In other words, he had scored. Just a couple of free throws here and there. Yeah. That's where we're tipping our cap. Yeah, yeah. had okay. a couple last night in the fourth quarter. Okay. Well, listen. Cheers to him. The point being, with Tatum, uh, I'm glad that he has finally come around here. And it really begs the question, Chris, as to whether or not Tatum is truly an alpha. Is he a guy that is not just the best player on your team, but the guy that everybody's going to follow? Now, the comparison I make is not comparing the players or anything like that or, or hanging any particular designation on either guy. But Kevin Durant in New York with the Brooklyn Nets was never the alpha. And he went there because all along he was kind of told, you, if you're going to be taken seriously after going to Golden State and joining an all, a team that already won a championship, as an all-time great player you need to go somewhere else you need to do it on your own with your guys mm-hmm. and he took that to mean okay i'll go somewhere else and i'll bring in Kyrie and i'll you know get James Harden here eventually and i want to try to win that way but he was never the leader of the group the alpha was truly Kyrie Irving mm. as a leader uh and whether it's a good or a bad way yeah you know leading in the right or wrong direction I think Tatum's got it in him. We just haven't seen it yet, but I do think there is an ability in Tatum based on some of the performances that he has had. 46 last year against Milwaukee, uh, you know, coming back after an atrocious game was a game 6 last round, uh and then hitting some big shots and then of course what he did in game 7. I, I think it's in there somewhere, Canty. Mm. We just haven't seen it yet.
2: Learning how to win championships is tough. I mean, there are going to be a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of highs and lows, and it's not a linear path. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, okay, we got to the conference finals this year, NBA finals, that means we're going to win it next year. Winning championships don't work like that. Now, the Boston Celtics have been knocking at the door for a minute. With Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you're talking about being in four conference finals, and they had an NBA finals appearance baked into those four years, too. So, I mean... They've been there, but it's about trying to get over the hump and doing the little things in the margin that allow you to have that success. Now, part of winning a championship is getting everybody on the same page and making sure that everybody is doing all of the little things that allow you to have success against better opponents. Like For instance, when I joined the New York Giants in 2009, a big reason why I decided to leave the Dallas Cowboys and sign with the Giants in free agency is because they won a championship in 2007. And they beat the undefeated Patriots. They had a roadmap. They had a blueprint when it came to winning championships. And lo and behold, a few years later, after I signed as a free agent, we won a Super Bowl. They had a culture in place. They had a core of guys that knew exactly what it took, that established a standard, and everybody adhered to it. And that's why we were able to have sustained success. Now, in Boston, they've been able to put together very good regular seasons, but their postseasons end up coming up short. And I'm starting to question whether or not Jason Tatum can be the guy that establishes that championship culture. I don't know that he can. Last year, this team was in the NBA Finals, but it was clear that Ime Adoka was not only the head coach, but he was, in fact, the leadership on that team and in that locker room. And the reason why is that he's not that far removed from being a player himself. So the guys respected him as the head coach, but they also respected what he did on the court and his, I guess, know-how when it comes to competing at the highest levels. I don't know that they have anybody in that Boston locker room that can provide that right now. And it's clear that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are struggling to find that intangible that we look for from leaders of championship squads. How often can it... Can a championship team be successful if the best player is not the guy? It can happen, but again, you have to have a championship culture in place. You know, when you look at what happened with Kevin Durant, he joined the Golden State Warriors. They had a championship culture in place. When you look at Kawhi Leonard with the Toronto Raptors, best player, he had already won a championship, so he knew what it took. Again, championship culture in yeah. place. I, I just I don't know that you can just do that and not 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 have somebody give you some insights in terms of what it takes for the leader, the best player on the team, to be able to establish that standard. Think about LeBron James. He didn't know how to win a championship his first go-round in Cleveland. So what did he do? He went to basketball school down in Miami with Pat Riley and Dwayne Wade. And once he figured out the secret sauce and won a couple of chips down there, he was able to take that back to Cleveland, won in 2016, One in the bubble in 2020 with the Los Angeles Lakers. He figured it out. He learned it from guys that had already understood what it takes to be a champion. I don't know that you have that in place in Boston, and it's hard as a player to, I guess, manufacture that Uh, especially when you don't necessarily have an idea of how to get there.
3: Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Part of this for me is I was thoroughly aggravated the other night with Anthony Davis. Mm. Because here is a guy that we had talked about needing to be the best player on the team, needing to, in essence, take the team over to a degree from LeBron, and post game, after they get swept and he has another no-show performance, he is just very quietly with his sunglasses on saying, yeah, I need to take a good look in the mirror at myself. It, it didn't, Canty, I know I know. different guys show their emotions in different ways. Yep. There are, and I always think it's overblown when fans want to see guys get angry and really be ticked off and all that. I didn't see in Anthony Davis that that was crushing. I didn't, and maybe it's there, maybe it's unfair for me to say that, I didn't see that that was crushing. When when it happens with Jimmy Butler, I see that it's crushing. I see how much he really struggles with the Miami Heat losing in the postseason. That's what game seven last year. I, I just believe that if you're going to be that guy as the best player on the team, when you are setting a tone for everybody else, that it has to be That part of it has to be in you if you're going to cultivate that culture yourself.
2: Well, he's not that guy, though. I think we have to recalibrate how we look at Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. Much in the same way I think fans need to recalibrate how they look at the Miami Heat. Like, we got to look at Anthony Davis differently. He's not that dude. He's not a Giannis. He's not Joel Embiid. He's not Nikola Jokic. He's just not. We saw that this series. He is not going to take over a game in that way. Now, he's going to be very good. He's going to impact the game on both ends of the court. And I would say his impact on the defensive end is probably more impressive than his impact on the offensive end since the All-Star break. But the only problem with that is LeBron James, at this stage in his career, needs A.D. to be a 25-plus point-a-night score. And A.D. can't do that. He's not a guy that can create his own shot. No, He's dependent on others to get him the ball in his spots, and then he can do work. And so, because he's not as aggressive as you would like him to be on the offensive end, the Lakers are going to need another star if LeBron James decides he wants to run it back. They are. A.D. is not that dude. We thought that this could be an official passing of the torch this postseason from LeBron to A.D. Guess what? That ain't never going to happen. It's not. A.D. is not a player that you build around. He is a complimentary piece as long as you have an alpha like LeBron James or another superstar that's capable of being a one. He's a two, albeit a very good two, but you're going to have to have a really good one and you're probably going to need a significant supporting cast in order to compete at a championship level. What I learned in the conference finals is that the Lakers ain't close to that right now. No, They're not. And as much as I love the young players that they have, Austin Reeves and Rui, uh, I, as much as I like what those guys are bringing to the party, they need more. You can't just depend on those guys improving over the summer in order to get you over the hump. Canteen and Carlin brought to you
3: by FanDuel Sportsbook, Make Every Moment More. You know, we bring AD into this discussion because you look at these two players, between AD and Jason Tatum, and you wonder which is a bigger enigma, which is more of an enigma. And to me, it's it's not particularly close in that it's Anthony Davis. Mm. When I look at Tatum, I can at the very least, Chris, while AD has had some big performances in the postseason, Tatum has had the big performances in the postseason when it truly mattered the most. With with seasons on the line, mm-hmm. he has done that. There have been other times where it hasn't been as good, but I have seen at an, just a massive level what he is capable of doing with those other uh, times we talked about. 46 last year, against Milwaukee, same thing Game 7, same thing putting everything that happened uh, in Game 6 last series behind you and being able to step up and and score, what, 14 fourth-quarter points after you were atrocious early. Those are all, like when I say that it's in there somewhere with him, it feels like it's a seed that's in there that is still being watered and and tended to. The enigma factor for AD, I mean, like if there's a picture of a definition of it, it's him.
2: Well, I tend to agree with you. In playing devil's advocate, I'll push back and say, we, we've seen AD play at a championship level. He, he won a title. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We, we've seen him be the most dominant defensive force in all of basketball. That's been the last three months. I, I, I don't know that at any point I can say that I've seen Jason Tatum be the most dominant player in basketball. I, I, I thought we got close last postseason with him and what he was doing in the conference finals and the NBA finals. But this year it's seemingly regressed and it's been up and down and a part of being a great player is consistency. So yeah, I'm with you. I've seen Jason Tatum make four conference finals and be in the NBA finals as the lead player on a team so I will give that the benefit of the doubt. The only thing that I will say with AD is I've actually seen him win a championship. Mm-hmm. So I, I, we haven't got that from Tatum. I,
3: my, and maybe it's unfair. And it's not just about the bubble, being in the bubble. And as you know, I joke around all the time about the summer camp championship. Yeah. the The reason I do take away from it a little bit is that it, with three months off, gave AD and LeBron, an exceptional, exceptional advantage. Yes, everybody else is getting healthier, too, mm-hmm. and it's elevating everybody's game. But for those two guys in particular, what they're capable of uh, when they are healthy, as opposed to what they are capable of late in the year when they run into times like this, specifically AD, I think that really played to their advantage a lot more than anybody else. So, I yes, do I treat that championship less seriously? I do primarily because of that.
2: I I don't treat it differently because of that. I I would treat it different. Well, I I don't treat it differently at all. I I think it's a valid championship because of the circumstances. Now, I guess people would say there were no fans in the bubble. Yeah. And so that takes away from the pressure. There's no travel in the bubble. So those are things that I think people would point to. But being in isolation the way that they were, that's not easy. And having to do that in perpetuity and going on a deep playoff run, that's not easy, given the circumstances. We're in the middle of a global pandemic and having to focus to compete for a championship is not easy. So I I will say I get that. I get why people treat it as an outlier. But the ring still counts. The trophy still counts. Okay, winning a championship is hard under any circumstances. So I, I don't discount it. What I will say is AD had the benefit of having LeBron James a guy that's won championships at two other organizations before he even came to L.A. Where's that for Jason Tatum? He doesn't have it right now, and I'm not sure that he's going to develop that on his own staying in Boston. Now, does the organization go out and get a coach that has championship pedigree? Do they go out and get another player that can be in a supporting role that has championship pedigree? Remains to be seen, but I think they have to go that route because it's clear that Tatum and Brown, in and of themselves, ain't going to figure it out, and it doesn't seem like Joe is close to being at that level.
3: Canty and Carla ESPN Radio, on the flip side, uh, for the Lakers, they have to go that route. They have to go and get somebody else to add to this mix because, as you pointed out, as much as Reeves and Achimura have played well, there's not enough there, and that means Kyrie Irving. First of all, let's hear from Brian Windhorst, ESPN NBA Insider. He was on Get Up yesterday and filled us in on the possibility of Kyrie going to the Lakers this offseason
1: well the first thing with any conversation about Kyrie I really can't state this enough he would probably have to take a pay cut from what his expected salary for next year would be to sign with the Lakers and so it's a it'd be a pretty big one right now the Lakers can generate about 30 million dollars in cap space they could maybe if they do a couple other moves get it a little bit higher but Kyrie Irving's maximum salary is $47 million. You were talking about a potentially enormous pay cut that he would have to take from where he wanted when he forced his way out of Brooklyn. So that's number one. However, the Lakers do have the ability to generate cap space. And to be honest with you... For a team to have Anthony Davis and LeBron James on their roster and to be able to generate cap space is a rare situation. And when I say generate cap space, this would be keeping Austin Reeves. This is accounting for keeping Austin Reeves. So um, the problem with that is, is if you go that route, you would potentially have a, a, another top-heavy team like they had with Russell Westbrook, but they would hope that it would be a better uh, a formulated team. But I must also say that they don't have to go the Kyrie route. In addition to just keeping the team together, re-signing their free agents and looking to draft a a player and using maybe some free agency to do some other things, they also can go trade for other players or potentially look at other free agents. It's not Kyrie Irving or Bust for this team at all. Well, who then? You know, when we talk about trading for other players, Chris,
3: I don't know that you're going to get a player the level of Kyrie Irving, which Mm -hmm. is what the Lakers need. Can can the Lakers sign Fred Van Vliet at a considerably uh, discounted number? I imagine if Fred Van Vliet wants to get out of Toronto and start living in Los Angeles and have another chance to win a championship, that might be appealing. It's just Fred Van Vliet's still at a point in his career where he's going to have every opportunity to get every penny, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know that he wants to give that opportunity up yet, whereas Kyrie Irving... You can justify that for if you're Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. He's further along in his career. He has made an absolute ton of money. I'm not getting in his pockets here when I say this. Wouldn't you agree that it would be more realistic for him to take, let, let's say that Wendy is saying he needs to take a 30% pay cut. That would put him around, what, $30 million a year? Mm-hmm. I absolutely would see Kyrie taking a three-year $90 million deal with the Lakers and lining it up with the other two guys. I yeah.
2: think that's absolutely realistic. Yeah, I think the Lakers have the ability to be able to retain Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, and still find 30 to $35 million in cap space to, to add a third star. Now, the question becomes, who is that going to be? Now, it, it feels like Kyrie is the easiest answer, but you're starting to see these reports now out there by The Athletic and others that the Lakers are having internal discussions about Trey Young. Now, I don't know how they would acquire Trey Young. With- yeah what the the, what the what the trade package would look like but if you could find a world where you could have LeBron AD and Trey Young man now all of a sudden you're talking about being eye to eye with the Denver Nuggets for the best team in the Western Conference absolutely yeah and you feel good about what you're building around for the foreseeable future even after LeBron James leaves I I just I even in the three-way trade I don't
3: know how that works I don't know how that comes together because the Lakers have to go get somebody else's draft picks. If they're trading Trey Young and they're not getting a young star in return, what are they doing? They're they're going to be looking for picks, right? Yeah. Uh, what young star can the Lakers give them in return? Can't. The only way I could see them potentially trading for Trey Young is if LeBron actually retired. And you're talking about AD at that point, something we
2: discussed before the show. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it would look like. I do think it's worth noting that, like Fred Van Vliet, Trey Young is a clutch client. Uh-huh. He is represented by Clutch Sports, Rich Paul, that whole group. So, I mean, we know the ties they have to the Lakers organization. The running joke is that Rich Paul is the GM of the Los Angeles Lakers, mm. not Rob Palenka. So, I mean, we'll see what ends up happening, but we know that there's been rumors that Trey Young um, and the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks don't see eye-to-eye. We'll see what happens and how badly they want to move off him. But, you know, I I will say this. The idea of Trey Young with the Lakers is spicier. It's one of those things that makes me more optimistic as a Lakers fan than adding Kyrie or adding a Fred VanVleet. Canty and Carlin, ESPN
3: Radio, Series 6M, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. On the way, friends, should the Lakers be all in on Kyrie? And how did not getting swept change the Celtics' approach This off-season, we visit with an insider next to get the answers after this from our friends at Indeed. Now, if you're gearing up for hot summer hires, then stop making candidate cold calls and hire with Indeed. Their powerful, all-in-one hiring platform makes it easy to attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. And with tools like Instant Match, the moment you sponsor a post, you'll instantly receive a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. You can then invite them to apply, schedule, and conduct interviews all from the Indeed website. To learn more, visit Indeed.com slash credit. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits...
0: Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Kyrie is like the missing piece of that triangle with AD and LeBron. It's nothing for the Los Angeles Lakers to go and say, we need to make a big splash so we're not in this position again. So let us go get a Kyrie Irvin. I think that there's something about these two potentially that would be unique. If you could keep AD, Kyrie, and LeBron together, we really don't think they can fill out the rest of that roster. It's not as if they could not be one of the upper echelon teams in the West if you have those three guys. Ho! Uh huh.
2: Come on, big fella. You gotta feel this now. Now you gotta hear and listen to Jay Z. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's not enough just to be listening to Jay Z. You gotta hear him too. Okay. Yeah. It. uh,
3: Listen. It hasn't hasn't
2: grown on you yet.
3: No, no. I like Jay Z. It's just, I, I, it, it feels weird to me in that I, I, I don't know. I don't connect with music much. Like, from any really? kind of music. Like, I love music, but I don't
2: connect with music a whole lot. Okay. Speaking, of, speaking of music. Here, I'm dead inside. Speak, That's basically speak, what I'm telling Speaking you. of music, I, I feel remiss if we didn't mention the passing of a legend. Oh, a music you are not icon. kidding. Now, that music I can connect with. Uh, Tina Turner. You
3: have to connect oh with my Tina God. Turner's music. Tina Turner passed away today at the age of 83. And let me tell you something. The ultimate respect for the level of, not just performer that she was, but everything she went through in her life. Everything. Yeah. Uh, You know, What's Love Got To Do With It? Amazing movie. And, Favorite Tina Turner song? Uh, I would probably say Proud Mary. Yeah. Even though, you know. Yeah,
2: Proud Mary is the one.
3: So was, it, was Proud Mary a Tina song or was it Creedence
2: first? I'm not sure who did it first. I know who did it best. Yes, I know who did it best. Absolutely <laughs> I think that's true. that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Kenton Carlin, ESPN Radio. And on the ESPN app, it has been all NBA today for the most part uh, with a little NFL mixed in. But off of the Celtics actually winning last night, we welcome in Chris Mannix, one of the great basketball writer, Sports Illustrated senior writer, and, of course, WNB, uh, of course NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst who joins us. Chris, it's Chris Carlin and Chris Canty. We appreciate a few minutes. Um, what did you take out of the fact that the Celtics did not fold up tents and go home in Game 4?
4: Well, I was impressed because after watching them just completely disintegrate in Game 3, you could only assume that – when the going got tough in game four that they would fold once again. And it did get tough in that first half. They were able to keep themselves within shouting distance. And then, you know, came out of the locker room with the right energy, which, you know, has not been the case for the Celtics in every game of these playoffs. And I think that was what was most impressive about Boston was they came out at halftime down, what, six points and, really put it on Miami in that third quarter and were able to pull away uh in the fourth. Uh, they defended the three point line for the first time in this series. They made three point shots at a high level for the first time in this series. They kept the turnovers down for one of the first times uh, in this series. so you know give them credit for you know not folding and rallying in the second half to get a win.
2: Mannix, beyond the obvious, which is a trip to the NBA Finals, what's at stake for the Boston Celtics? I I mean, are we considering, would Brad Stevens consider a coaching change if this still ended up being a series that was over in five? Will we be talking about drastic changes on the roster if this thing ends uh, in Boston tomorrow night? Or do you get the sense that this organization could potentially stay the course even though it's a disappointing end to an otherwise successful first year for Joe Missoula?
4: Well, let's start with the coaching. And I don't think you can rule out a coaching change at the end of the season simply because the depth of talent in the free agent coaching ranks is as high as it's been in years. I mean, as we speak, you have got championship-level coaches. You've got Mike Budenholzer, Nick Nurse, Frank Vogel, among others, that are available. And when you have that kind of talent in the coaching ranks, it has to at least be considered. But you have to remember that Joe Missoula is the closest thing to a protege that Brad Stevens has. Brad Hmm. Stevens was the one that plucked him out of Fairmont state and put him behind his bench uh, for his first year. He's the one that made sure that when he moved up to the front office, Joe Missoula was retained by Ime Udoka. He's the one that made sure that when Will Hardy took the job in Utah and Danny Ainge wanted to hire Joe Missoula. Joe Missoula stayed on that South expansion. Of course, he's the one that was handpicked to take over for Yudoka days before the start of training camp. So there is a level of loyalty there with Brad Stevens and Ime Yudoka. If I had to guess about what the outcome would be from all this that's happened over the last couple of weeks, it's that Joe Missoula is retained but sees a lot of strength added to his staff. There was a brain drain in Boston over the last eight months. Ime Udoka, gone. Will Hardy, gone. Damon Stoudemire, gone. None of these coaches were replaced. And look, the Celtics have some quality coaches on their staff, but right now they don't have someone with gravitas. They don't have a former head coach on that staff or someone with the kind of experience that some of the coaches I named uh, have I would expect to see someone like Steven Silas added to Joe Missoula's staff next year. Maybe there's another former head coach out there added to the staff. If I was going to predict an outcome, it's that Joe Missoula stays, but sees the people around him, uh, uh, you know, kind of improved in, in terms of experience. Chris Mannix, Sports
3: Illustrated, a senior NBA writer, joining us. Of course, NBC Sports Boston as well. Chris, the Lakers and Kyrie is this Virtually an, inevit- an inevitability, and is it their best path toward contending for a championship next year?
4: I don't think it's an inevitability because it's simply not as simple as the Lakers saying, We want Kyrie, Kyrie saying, I want the Lakers, and then making it work. There are far too many machinations that have to happen that are going to make this a difficult decision for the Lakers because. Look, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. If Kyrie's in, that means at least D'Angelo Russell's out. It likely means Jared Vanderbilt is out. It potentially means Malik Beasley is out. We could be talking about Austin Reeves being too expensive for the Lakers to retain next year. There are just a lot of pieces here that may have to be removed from the equation to bring Kyrie Irving in. And I thought it was really telling that at the Lakers exit interviews, one of the things that Rob Polenka said was that they intended to keep investing in that young core. He mentioned the importance of continuity, which is understandable given the fact that they just got drubbed by a team that has been together as long as anybody you know, amongst these final four uh, teams uh, in the playoffs. So the Lakers front office made it clear what they want to do. The question is, if LeBron James really wants Kyrie Irving, and there's reason to believe that he does, how far will the Lakers be willing to go to add him to the mix? Will they be willing to cut ties with all the guys that helped them get to this point, all the guys that changed the culture of this team at midseason and helped them become a Western Conference finalist team? I think it's going to make for what could be an interesting showdown between LeBron and the Lakers over the next couple of months about what kind of roster decisions are going to get this team to that next level.
2: Mannix, real quick, because we're up against it. Uh, uh, there was another all-star caliber point guard sitting courtside at Lakers games during the playoffs, and that would be one Trey Young. There are rumors out there that the Lakers are going to have internal discussions about Trey Young. How how feasible is, is, are, is it that for the Lakers to go after Trey Young? What, what 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 do they even have of consequence that they could offer to the Atlanta Hawks in order to make that kind of move?
4: I think it would be challenging for them to make a competitive offer for Trey Young because they don't have as much draft capital as potential other suitors. I also don't know that Trey Young is the answer. Trey Young is a very good player, but he's also someone that hasn't had a lot of playoff success aside from that one trip to the conference finals. He's not a great defender and his three point shooting percentage has dipped significantly in recent years. So yeah, it's somebody they certainly could explore, but extracting Trey Young from Atlanta with the pieces that the Lakers currently have on the roster, I just don't know how that all works.
3: Chris Maddox, appreciate it, brother. Thanks. You got it, guys. Chris Maddox, Sports Illustrated senior writer, Kentian Carlin, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Up next, somewhat troubling development with John Morant. We fill you in in moments on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker.
0: This is the Canty and Carlin podcast.
3: I'm sorry. There may be nothing worse than non-dairy creamer. (laughs) Non-dairy creamer. I just went outside to get some coffee. I'm trying to make some iced coffee. Yeah. I put in, you know, there's no milk in the fridge. I put in, you know, the powder,
2: non-dairy creamer. I still got
3: drips of powder
2: all over the place. Congratulations. You played yourself.
3: It's got awful. You played yourself. Well, it wouldn't kill somebody. Go out and buy, you know, a carton of
2: milk. That's all I'm saying. Or why don't you just bring one in? Well, I didn't even realize we were going to be here until today. Okay, well, the next time we're going to be here, then maybe you should bring one in. Just a thought. Don't I, wait for others to do something that you can do. I, normally,
3: I do that. Okay. I, I do that, but... In this case,
2: you know, little help. I mean, you're looking around for the bad guy. What you need to do is look in the mirror. Kind of like A.D. You're the bad guy. I am not the bad guy. You are the bad guy. I am the problem solver, generally speaking. You're like Tony Montana
3: in that movie. You're the bad guy. (laughs) Thousand percent. and Carlin, ESPN Radio, and on the ESPN app, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. A little bit of a, not disturbing, but concerning story earlier today about John Morant. So John Morant had put out Some social media posts, and one of them was a picture of him, and I guess his family was in the picture, too. It was a picture of his mom, his dad,
2: and his daughter.
3: And and it just said with a caption,
2: bye. Mm -hmm.
3: And so people took that to mean, "Uh uh-oh, is he in a bad place right now? What he meant by it is, and and police actually went and did a welfare check. What he meant by it is that he was just getting off social media for, for a while. Which is not a bad thing. Um, I mean, for Pete's sake, even the Surgeon General's coming out today talking about how bad social media is for people. Yeah. But for Ja, listen, Canty, it, it's just, he's going to have to accept the fact that however this plays out, it's just going to take time, especially. Because what did we talk about when it happened the first time? It all felt very rushed mm-hmm. to get back. That whether it was the Grizzlies wanting to rush in along, Ja wanting to rush in along, this is just a situation where no matter what the suspension is, no, if he wants to come out and say, I'm taking some time away to try to soften that blow, whatever it is,
2: this is just going to take time, and he's going to have to be patient in that. Well, he's going he- to be held accountable. That's what this is going to come down to. And for somebody that has seemingly not been held accountable since they've come into the NBA, that can feel a little bit like hate. And so I'm sure he's feeling that a little bit from social media channels. Certainly, if he's watching any of the sports channels, ESPN, all the pundits, everybody is coming down on him, and he feels that weight. And he's dealing with the reality that the thing that used to be his solace, which is being on the basketball court, is going to be taken away from him. Adam Silver, after this investigation concludes, is going to take John Morant off the court for a significant period of time. Now, we don't know what that's going to look like. Is it a quarter of the season? Is it half the season? Is it the whole season? Nobody knows. But he's going to be without basketball for a long time. Well, and so I think you couple that with the fact that there have been so many people that have you know, been talking about his situation and how egregious his mistakes are that he probably needed to unplug. But I will say this, the cryptic post yesterday warranted a check-in by Tennessee officials, the police department, because you just don't know in this day and age. And and so that can be a bit scary, especially considering what Ja has been dealing with. Yeah, and he wrote in it as well, love your ma, love your pops,
3: you the best baby girl, and then followed it with Bye. And that obviously would scare the daylights out of anybody. Yes. And I'm glad, uh, as they did the check, the sheriff's office reported he's fine. No problems here. Um, And that turned out to be the case. Even you're talking about everybody coming down on him. Even Nike has come down on him. They have taken uh, his shoe, his signature shoe,
2: off of their website right now. Yeah. And our very own Michael Wilbon said he will not let his son wear the shoe. Uh, and, And it's interesting because Ja Morant is, I guess, one of the players that young people look up to. And the fact that Nike is going through these lengths after they've invested so much in that relationship, it's one of those that makes you raise an eyebrow and wonder what exactly is going to happen with him.
0: Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.